Yo, thanks again for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle, but you're listening, so you should know that by now. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can find this podcast just about anywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Overcast FM, Google Play, and YouTube. And of course, you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com backslash, spell it out, T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. And of course, you can catch me on Instagram at 12 Kyle Podcast. And of course, you can always catch me hanging out on Twitter at 12 Kyle, the number 12KYLE. Or you can follow the podcast at 12 Kyle Podcast. Pretty simple. So there's no reason not to subscribe. All right, so check it out. On this particular podcast, we're going to talk about one of the greatest hip hop albums ever BDP's Criminal Minded. It's turning 30 years old. That's crazy. So sit back, turn your speakers up, pass the word. We're going to drop the theme music and we're going to get this podcast cracking. Let's get it. Welcome back to the podcast. As I mentioned at the top, man, we're talking about Criminal Minded from BDP, Boogie Down Productions. This album was released March 3rd, 1987. That's mind boggling for me because, I mean, like I remember when the album came out. It's hard to believe that it's been 30 years. Um, This album, man, is without a doubt a hip hop classic. Um, most hip hop purists, uh, most, uh, hip hop, you know, magazines or entities will tell you that this is a top 10, arguably top five album in the history of hip hop. Um, and, and I'll give you my thoughts on the significance of this album a little later in the podcast. But I think one of the things that was really, really telling about this album was, um, just the time frame in which it came out. You have to kind of take yourself back to 1987. And I'm pretty sure that many of you who are listening to this podcast weren't around in 1987. Uh, but take it from someone who was, uh, I was in middle school, if I believe. Um, yeah, I was in middle school. So I remember when this album came out, um, there was obviously no internet, so there was no downloading or file sharing or anything like that. You actually had to go to the record store to get it. Uh, I actually did not go to the record store to get this album. Um, one of my boys had it, and um, I was like, yo, man, let me cop a dub. And what that meant was, you're going to dub it for me on a tape, <laughs> and I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to play Now, of course, initially, that didn't get any money in the pocket of uh, BDP, but nonetheless, that's how I got my music. So I was just really, I remember um, probably the first time that, that I heard it, I think I heard a single. Um, and I want to say the first single that I heard was South Bronx. Um, that was before the album came out, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it was crazy because like 
I grew up in, in in a small town, this town called Florence, South Carolina. Um, and obviously the this album was made in New York City. Um, Kiara's one is from the Bronx. And so this album, you know, really, really resonated in New York City. Uh, it, it was a trickle down effect to get to South Carolina. In fact, I, I think I probably didn't hear this album probably for another month after it came out. But nonetheless, um, I was blown away. And, and I think one of the things that was really, really impressive about this album was not just the lyricism and the subject matter, but you also have to kind of look at the landscape of what was actually going on around in hip hop at the time. Um, hip hop or rap as we knew it back then was really, really starting to get its footing as far as a musical genre. Um, it was moving beyond the stage of where people thought it was going to be a fad. And it's funny because uh, being tenured in hip hop as I am, I have to tell cats sometimes like, yo, it's funny because there was a point in time where people thought rap was would last as long as disco did. <laughs> I mean, like they, they had no clue or concept as to how long this art form was going to be around. They didn't even consider it to be an art form. It was going to be, uh, it might have been around as long as breakdancing, maybe disco, but it wasn't something that they really considered to be legit. And in, 19, in 1987, I mean, it, you know, to some degree, I can understand why, but um, because there were a lot of acts that were that weren't as popular and they were more or less about gimmicks. Um, and obviously, once people heard this album, they knew damn well it was <laughs> was no gimmicks involved in this one. This was straight New York City lyricism, true reality, street tales about a life that most people had not rhymed about on wax. Um, and then there was obviously, and we'll talk about it, uh, you know, some some controversy as far as the disc was concerned. But nonetheless, man, Boogie Down Productions con, uh, consisted of uh, KRS-One, the MC, obviously, uh, in my opinion, one of the, well, I'm not going to say in my opinion, in most people's opinions, uh, one of the greatest MCs to ever grab a microphone. And it's DJ Scott LaRock. So that was BDP, man. And they came seemingly out of nowhere. And again, for me... This was all new because we didn't have this kind of music readily available as far as the stuff that they were talking about. So it was it was very important that, you know, when they broke onto the scene that they had something to say. And boy, did they have something <laughs> they have something to say. Uh, nonetheless, that was the scene in 87, man. I mean, it was hip hop was really, really transitioning. Um, it was, you know, slowly trying to gain its footing as being a legit art form and being, uh, you know, recognized by, I don't want to say the mainstream because they really weren't after mainstream, but they were really, really trying to hit you with, you know, street and, and they wanted to, to make sure that this was going to be something around that was going to be around for a while and something that would last. And, um, this album definitely kicked it off, man. I think, uh, one of the first things uh, that stands out, well, actually, it stands out, but it doesn't really stand out, is the production. Um, this album is it, it, so funny to me because when I go back and listen to it, and, and I'm pretty sure if you haven't done so in a while, which I don't see how you could have, but if you haven't listened to this album in a while, make sure that you listen to it after you listen to this podcast. Um, 
production wise, the album was produced by Lee Smith, uh, said G, uh, of course, DJ Scott LaRock and KRS-One. Um, but there's nothing like groundbreaking about the sound. I mean, it was boom bap, um, probably before we knew what boom bap was. But I mean, it was very, very simplified SP 1200s. Um, you know, I mean, like when you listen to beats like South Bronx and, and uh, you know, Criminal Minded and some of these other beats, I mean, like it really could have been made on a Casio keyboard. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like there was <laughs> there's nothing spectacular about the, the production of it. It's good. And to be honest, it was dope for the time because, again, this wasn't, you know, this is pre-internet, you know, so there was no, you know, no crazy drum machines and crazy beats and things of that nature but in a great way um it was cool because it didn't have it because technically you didn't need it i mean this album lyrically stood on its own so the production didn't you didn't have to necessarily worry about the production over overriding you know what krs1 was talking about or anything like that so i think that was cool in and of itself um but yeah, there's there's nothing about the production uh, that actually blows you away. Even to this day, uh, you know, you'll listen to it and you'll say, okay, hey, this is some really really simple stuff as far as the way that it sounds. So, in a nutshell, when you pick up Criminal Minded, you're not necessarily picking it up to hear uh, a, a crazy beat. Although there was a song on there called Dope Beat, which you know used a guitar riff, which was you know crazy in and of itself, which very few groups or uh, hip hop acts really were doing at the time anyway um but you know production wise like i said it was it was the album was solid production wise but it was it, it's not anything that just blows you away relatively speaking to if i said hey i'm gonna play this classic hip-hop album for you and you're the first thing you're thinking is okay well you know what does it sound like you know and so production wise no it doesn't doesn't blow you away at all nonetheless it's still a dope ass album um this album i think i want to say right now is probably sitting at gold i don't think it ever got i don't think it ever went platinum or anything like that it, it, and and that's one of the great things about you know some of these classic albums particularly those that are lauded as uh you know some of the best to ever come out in hip-hop is that they didn't necessarily sell well but it wasn't even about the record sales um you know, record sales don't necessarily mean that you're dope, you know, just because you sell a bunch of records. Um, and KRS-One will tell you that himself. I mean, like he sold a great deal of records, but this particular album, no, it didn't sell through the roof. Again, I don't, I, I'll have to look it up, but I don't even think this album is platinum. Um, nonetheless, it's still a dope ass album. Um, and it really set the tone early in 1987 for what was to be as far as lyricism. And, and to be honest, Karis one set the bar so high that you know it 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 made other MCs step their game up, um, and I mean at that time you <laughs> you really couldn't come whack. I mean like that was the worst thing that you wanted to do. But um, again, this was a dope album from front to back. And again, as far as the production wise, you know then no, this, it's not going to blow you away. Nonetheless, when you listen to it, uh, you will take something away from the production in listening to the simplicity of 
you know, the, the, the beats that were used in the music that was surrounding uh, KRS-One's rhymes. And when you listen to it, you'll, you'll have a certain level of, level of appreciation for it just on the strength of the fact that it's still some dope rhymes surrounded by these, you know, you can call them basic beats, but still dope beats nonetheless. So in that aspect, you know, that, that helps the album stand out in and of itself. Um, so again, I think one of the major keys for this album was when you look at the landscape of how things were in hip hop in 19 and music in general in 1987, um, you know, we were moving away from the gimmicks and, and people really, really were starting to take hip hop a little bit more seriously because keep in mind, 87 preceded, you know, 1988, which in my opinion is the greatest year in hip hop. Um, so you had a situation where you were kind of moving away from the Curtis blows and there's nothing wrong with Curtis blow, uh, Curtis blow and, 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 you know, some of the people that kind of push the culture forward in that aspect um, to coming up with the Beastie Boys, Eric B. and Rakim. Um, and to be honest, people both in and out of hip hop started to take this genre more serious. So you're taking it more serious and then you have this album, Criminal Minded, to drop. And then when you open up the album and you start listening to it, um, they're talking about subjects that had hardly ever been touched on wax. Um, they're talking about the reality of the street life. I mean, you know, talking about drugs, uh, guns, violence. Um, and it, it's funny because like, I remember reading some reviews when I was, you know, when not long after this album came out. And I remember this one review in particular, they, they talked about, you know, how, you know, BDP and, and and criminal minded, you know, this, this, it, 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 cele- it quote unquote celebrates violence. And I'm like, you know, and it's so funny to think about it now because it's very, it's relatively tame compared to probably what most of us uh, listen to on a day to day basis. But, um, they were just giving me street tales, man. I mean, these guys grew up in the Bronx and, and they were just really, really giving you that raw, uncut, you know, talking about prostitution and drugs and just, like I said, gun violence, everything in and of under the sun that we had not heard before on wax. Um, and I think that's one of the things that made the album as dope and as influential as it was. Um, and, and trust me when I tell you, there's a ton of MCs that borrowed or copied or bit you know what they were talking about and 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 krs one style as well so this album was not only influential but it was groundbreaking as well and those two things right there are two of the key components into helping helping make this album the classic album that it is the dope album that it is and the album that every hip-hop head should have um i tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from KRS-One. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to break down the uh, the track listing and talk about some of the tracks. And, uh, and we're going to get into it. So sit tight. Let's take a quick commercial. We'll be back on the other side. Why? I mean, out of anything you could have named that album coming out, Boogie Down Productions, a lot of people might have heard a couple of singles from you, don't really know who you guys are as a group. What did that title mean to you and how did y'all come up with that title criminal minded 
Well, the quick answer to what did the title mean to me was that I was hungry. Mm. Quick answer. Right. Hunger. Right. That's it. Didn't eat the day I named the album. Didn't eat wow. that day. The day I named the album, I didn't even eat that day. Wow. My situation right. was dire. <laughs> okay, dire. Right. That's why when I when you get into battles with dudes that like that, you're never gonna win. You're never gonna win if you eating every day and you chilling. It's mm, nah, nah. You're never gonna win. I will bite you literally. I'm hungry for real. Stab and eat you on the table. You know, this is what it was. So first, the quick answer: hunger. Right. Hunger was the whole album. That whole criminal. We had to survive. If that album di didn't get made, I would be dead as well. And just like that, we are back. It's your boy 12 Kyle, the 12 Kyle podcast. We're talking about Criminal Minded from Boogie Down Productions. It's 30 years old, man. 30 years later, BDP Criminal Minded. Um, as I mentioned before the break, man, we're going to talk about the track listing. So let's get into it, man. Um, first, this album starts off with poetry. Um, man, what can I say? I, I mean, like, it's when you listen to poetry, it's. Straight out the gate, KRS-One, bars for days, he's coming right at you. Um, I mean, like, this is the perfect uh, start starting point for this hip-hop classic. Um, then you get into track number two, uh, South Bronx. And South Bronx, uh, one of the best... Uh, <laughs> One of the best diss tracks in hip hop history, um, and and it started the Bridge Wars, and and I'll talk about that in in, in a few. Uh, that along with uh, the Bridge is over. Um, track three, nine millimeter goes bang. Um, this track really captivated both me and my friends, and I'm gonna tell you why because. This was the first album where I heard someone brag about shooting somebody. <laughs> this was before NWA. This is before, you know, at least for me, uh, you know, like I said, kid growing up in South Carolina, a uh, little small town, Florence, South Carolina. I, I didn't know anything about the New York life. I didn't know anything about, uh, didn't know much about guns other than, you know, shooting deer and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, this was like mind-boggling. He and he's he Kara's one flips it into this reggae type style, and he goes da 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 ding da 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 ding. Listen to my nine 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 millimeter go bang, and you know he has tales of shooting someone, and so like that was just that was crazy to me because. I'd never heard anything like that before in my life. I found that to be very entertaining nonetheless, um, as crazy as it sounds. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, that was different. And that's where I think this album really, really started to captivate people uh, as far as the lyricism and, and what he was saying. Um, I think some of the critics got hung up on that. And, and keep in mind, the reason that they got hung up on that is because there was nobody else talking about pulling out a nine millimeter, nine millimeter handgun and shooting somebody. So because it was the first, it received a lot of criticism. Um, next up was track four, word from our sponsor. Um, I like the beat. Uh, KRS-One 
flowing all over this one. Um, once again, dope, dope lyrics. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's not a song lyrically that KRS-One disappoints on. Um, then you go to track five, Elementary. Um, another banger. I mean, like these are songs that it, as you listen to them from the, and I, and, and each time that I listen to it, I go back to, you know, like the first couple of times that I heard this album and it just takes me back and, and gives me that good feeling of just lyricism. And, and again, being introduced to a world with these street tales that you had never heard before. Um, track six, dope beat. Uh, I like dope beat, dope beat, probably, um, Beat wise, I think probably was a stretch to some degree because they had this uh, guitar riff on it. But um, but it was different because I, we had heard that with Run DMC. But other than that, I can't think of anybody else that was using a heavy metal guitar riff uh, on the uh, during the song. So um, Dope Beat was cool. I, I really like Dope Beat. Um, the one blemish. <laughs> And it's not even a blemish. The one blemish I can say on this album, the thing that I didn't like, was at the end of Dope Beat. Um, Scott LaRock is, I guess, rapping or talking or I don't know what the hell Scott LaRock was doing, but it was, eh, I can deal with that. It was kind of whack. But nonetheless, I mean, it was still cool. And, and I think that's, I wish I had time to talk about, even on some of the times when you listen to, even with classic albums, sometimes there's a song or two that you don't particularly care for. Now, I love this song, um, but when it gets to Scott LaRock's part at the end, I just skip to the next part. I mean, which is only like maybe 30 seconds, but still. Um, track 7. Remix for P is free. The girlies are free, but the crack costs money. This was the first time that I had ever heard a reference, or at least that I can remember, a reference to... Um, a girl giving up the goods for, for, for crack, for drugs. I mean, she was literally prostituting herself and selling her body just to get high. And when I tell you this was totally foreign to someone like myself who grew up in South Carolina, uh, you know, because I didn't at the time in 1987, I didn't know anybody on crack. I'd heard of crack, but I mean, I, something I heard on the news, it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't anything big time in my hometown. I mean, it probably was, but maybe I was just shielded from it because I didn't live in a crack neighborhood or anything like that. Um, but yeah, man, it, this was this was really, really telling to me because I'm like, I'm listening to the song. I'm like, yo, this, this ain't cool. She's selling her body <laughs> for crack <laughs> to get high, you know, so very very wide street tale man i love this song this song still resonates to this day um then the aforementioned uh the bridge is over and track is track number eight and i'll talk about that in a few minutes um track number nine super hole <laughs> it's funny and and i have to laugh about it when you especially when you listen to the hook skylar rock had them all he was a super hole um, you know, they just, this song just talks about DJ Scott LaRock and his, uh, sexual exploits, if you will. I mean, according to this song, Scott LaRock was knocking everything down in New York city, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, man, it's a funny song, but it's also, you know, kind of cautionary tale as far as, you know, you just don't want to be out here just banging everybody, but you know, Scott LaRock, Scott LaRock was the man. Uh, and then final, the, the final track, track 10, a criminal minded banger a, a true certified hip-hop banger the, again 
this album flows. Uh, this album is very deep on so many levels um, from track one to track 10. Uh, there is no, for me and most hip hop people, there's no skip, there's no tracks to skip on this album. I mean, like this album is, you know, just, just so great, greatly crafted um, from front to back. Uh, it's an album that I never get tired of listening to. Uh, it is one of my favorite hip hop albums. It is the crown jewel of 1987 and it is a certified top five hip hop album of all time. If this album isn't in your top five, then you really need to reconsider, uh, uh, you know, how you place albums because this album is, and, and again, it's not just me saying it. This is hip hop purists. Um, most hip hop contemporaries will tell you that this album is one of the best albums of all time, period. Not up for debate at all. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it man the track listing like i said it's 10 tracks this album flows um what more can i say it's a banger um i tell you what let's take another quick commercial break we'll hear from Karis one again uh and on the flip side i'll talk to you about the bridge wars and the significance of this album and we'll close out the podcast we'll be back in just a sec you know uh MC Shan is the beginning of my career. Uh, if it wasn't for MC Shan, I, KRS-One would not exist. I start that way all the time whenever talking about uh, uh, MC Shan. Whenever talking about MC Shan, uh, I have to start off with he is the creation and start of my career. And literally, because... You know, when when you have lines, uh, and, and I'm actually thinking of the full song. Many people tell me this style is terrific. It is kind of different. Let's get specific. Karis was, you know, um, uh, it was his style that I was doing. Um, and, and, and many people don't know that. It's, I mean, many people do know that. But if you're from the... Era, if your hip hop begins in the 90s, say, for instance, you may think that the style that I'm doing on the South Bronx is actually my style. It's not. It's a parody of MC Shan's style. Uh, and I'm sort of mocking or, or mimicking his style. So in a lot of ways, you could say that KRS-One's first style was MC Shan's style. I kind of bit his style and started my style. That's something I would never say in public. And just like that, we are back. It's the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. At least that's what it says on the marquee. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're talking about BDP's Criminal Minded 30 years later. Uh, as Kara's one just mentioned, he would have not gotten his start in his career or anything had it not been for MC Shan. Uh, MC Shan, popular member of the Juice Crew, the legendary Juice Crew, um, dropped a song in 1985 called The Bridge. Um, and I mean, when The Bridge came out, man, it was crazy. I mean, like everybody loved that song. Um, now, in the song, MC Shan refers to the fact that hip hop started in Queensbridge. Um, so, you know, you know, for a kid like me, 
in South Carolina, I didn't know any difference. I was like, okay, I mean, because I really didn't know that. I knew the difference between the boroughs, but I mean, like you say Brooklyn, you say Bronx, you say Queens. It was all New York City to me. Nonetheless, um, it was a it was a phenomenal song. That song got so much airplay. I mean, everybody was rocking to the bridge. Um, and then here comes KRS-One. Uh, he wanted to basically correct MC Shan and say, like, look, you know that hip hop didn't get started in Queensbridge. It didn't get started in Queens. It got started right here in the South Bronx. Um, and he dropped the South Bronx, the South, South Bronx, the South Bronx. <laughs> I mean, and all I can tell you is that when we first heard the song, it was crazy because nobody had ever, you know, heard we you didn't know who KRS one was. So, you know, he says, so you think that that hip hop started out in Queensbridge. If you pop that junk up in the Bronx, you might not live because you're in South Bronx, South, South Bronx, so forth and so on. So that was crazy, man. I mean, like, I just remember going to my boy's house because I think if I'm not mistaken, this is the first song that I heard. I mean, we all knew um, the bridge, but then when he came back and, and it was so funny because like, I remember my boy playing it for me and he was like, yo, he dissed, he dissed MC Shan. And I was like, oh, for real? And I'm like, well, where's the diss? Like I, I, <laughs> I had to listen to the song twice before I actually caught the diss. But, um, so, you know, we bugged out off of that. And then, you know, there was, that was the big thing. Like if you could diss somebody and, 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 you know, they have a response, um, you know, it was a battle and that's what it was about. It was about the supremacy. Now, MC Shan came back with, uh, kill that noise. Um, and you know, it was like, people were like, Oh snap, he fired back. You know? So it was, it was really bugged out to see these two MCs going at each other like that. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all the, the lyrics. You guys know the songs. If you don't know the songs, listen to them after this podcast. Uh, but then he came, KRS-One came back with The Bridge Is Over. <laughs> and it was a rap. It was a rap. I mean, like, not only did he diss, you know, he didn't just diss Queens. He didn't just diss MC Shan. He dissed the whole damn Juice Crew. I mean, from talking about, you know, Shan to Roxanne Shantae to Marley Maul. I mean, so it was like, it, it was, and this song spread like wildfire. So all of this is going on before the, or as right around the time the album is about to drop. So it's crazy to me, man. So it's like when I think back on it, like we were just really happy to hear this. Now, keep in mind, again, I'm in South Carolina, so I don't know nothing. I had no, <laughs> I had no idea that this, that these songs really created a, vi uh, a divide between the boroughs. I mean, like you had dudes from Queens who didn't like dudes from the Bronx, dudes from the Bronx that didn't like Queens. This, this These songs got to the point where they couldn't, you couldn't play South Bronx in Queens at a club. A fight was going to break out. Yeah. 
And if you don't believe me, ask someone who grew up in it, grew up in either Queens or the Bronx during that time. Um, the stories that I get from my friends who, who grew up in the Bronx and Queens are legendary. I love hearing these stories, man, because, again, you know, I'm a hip hop head, but I'm, you know, hundreds of miles away in South Carolina. And this was just so dope to me. Um, but nonetheless, man, it, it, it was I think I find it very interesting that KRS one, you know, and, and he readily acknowledges it that, you know, if it had not been for Shan, if Shannon never responded to him, then there would be no KRS one. So subsequently, there would be no criminal minded and, you know, his album beyond that. Um so yeah, that was a significant part in history. Uh, read up on it, listen to it. Those songs are legendary. There were more disc records going back and forth. Roxanne Chante got into it, uh, so forth and so on down the line. Um, but as far as Criminal Minded, this album is very significant. As I mentioned at the top, this album is a hip hop classic. It is arguably a top five. Some may even, if you said if you said Criminal Minded was the number one hip hop album of all time. You know, I'm not gonna argue with you. It's not mine, but you know, it's in my top five. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this this album is a bona fide classic. This is an album that is really, really was a genre changing as far as hip hop was concerned. Um, and as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, how during the time right before this album came out, that hip hop was trying to be solidified. This album put the stamp on hip hop being solidified or rap being solidified as a pure genre uh, and, and something that wasn't going to be a fad. It wasn't going to go away like disco. It wasn't going to go away like breakdancing. Um, so, yeah, man, it, 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 it put it out there. Um, and this is an album that even though, like I said, it was crafted on and released on March 3rd. Uh, of 1987 this is an album still 30 years later that you can listen to it and still take something from it and that's what helps helps make it a classic um what happened after this album after this shortly after this album unfortunately uh scott larock dj scott larock was killed he was murdered um trying to break up a fight gunshots rang out and unfortunately scott got hit um and that was a tragic loss in hip hop, uh, you know, and it, it seemed like they were just really on the cusp of building something big. Um, KRS-One obviously would go on to release uh, the next album uh, by any means necessary. One of the man, just just one of my favorite hip hop albums, period. Uh, this one, along with Criminal Minded, man, are right up there. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he did that in Skylar Rock's memory and, and this album and the subsequent albums. He did more several solo albums and KRS-One went on to solidify himself, in my opinion, as a top five MC of all time. Even at 50 plus years old, you still can't battle KRS-One. You still can't rhyme with him. I mean, the man has done it all. Uh, you know, I... I, I it's mind-boggling, and not only has he done it all, uh, but he's also done so much in the community, um, so much as far as uplifting our people. Uh, KRS-One is definitely a hip-hop icon and has been around this long, and it's still funny to me that his career got started just because the guy who he dissed responded. 
um, you know, in, in, in 2017, he'd get clowned for uh, biting somebody's style and dissing somebody who was on top. And at the time, Sham was on top. So it's interesting to see how time has passed. Um, but nonetheless, man, just wanted to get on here and, 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 and bring to light uh, a true gem in hip hop, a true classic uh, and, and as I say, with all of these podcasts, man, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it, man. Just press play. Uh, get, get get your number two pencils out, man, and, and, and take notes because hip hop and history are being served criminal minded 30 years later. That's going to do it for me. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Uh, thanks again for listening to the 12 Kyle podcast. I'll catch you guys next time. Five thousand.